Okay, let's make sure we're here. Here we go. I think we're live. I forgot to check the audio. It's what Monday? Mon yeah, it's Monday. 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 Keeping the streak going. Yep, we got the streak podcast after podcast. Welcome to Cutter Nation podcast, jo guys. Guys, John Sentez, Cass Kreitlow, Sean Kensman. Uh, but first, you know, please go subscribe. To button share it on all your social media so we get this out here um, we're trying to do our best to provide the best content and ask as many questions with the people that we follow in, in the baseball industry so we can help educate these people because we know there's a ton there's a ton of information there's so many videos there's so much things blogs and stuff to read and I just feel like a good conversation that that is a podcast that can really sum up all of the uh, information and, and help you pass along whatever information you can gain or pass along to someone else so Without further ado, Sean Kitzman, aka the pitching nerd. Yeah, guys, thanks so much for having me on. First of all, you know, I mean, this is my first official podcast as the pitching nerd, so this is pretty cool. You know, um, and I appreciate the time. You know, I think it's a really important thing that we we can build community in 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 the industry and and kind of just like be guys, you know, um, you know, and really like like just have a cool conversation and let people see that like. Coaches, yeah, they're super intense, but they really, we all just really care about the same thing, which is helping our athletes perform at higher levels. So, you know, my name is Sean Kitzman, aka the Bad. pitching nerd. Might be us. Uh, I've been in practice. Is it you? Got yeah. it. You guys got audio? Can you hear me? <laughs> okay. I'm glad we prepped that. <laughs> right? Right? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Here okay. we go. All right. Anyway, just just start over. It was it yeah, was choppy right away. Um, sorry about that, guys. Pitching nerd, Sean Kitzman. Who the heck are you, man? <laughs> so, uh, my name is Sean Kitzman, aka the Pitching Nerd. Uh, I've been I, I've been a fan of baseball all my life. Um, I'm 44. Uh, baseball kind of first hit my radar in the early 80s uh, when the Tigers, the Detroit Tigers, were starting to build with Jack Morris and Kirk Gibson and Lou and Tram and stuff like that. Um, the last World Series I was able to watch with my grandfather was the '84 World Series. Uh, you know, like the bless you boys, tigers were a big thing. So I just got really interested in baseball, uh, but I lived in the middle of no nowhere in the country and I, I couldn't play because it was so far for me to go play like on local teams. Um, and I've just been a baseball fan all along, uh, kind of my athletic endeavors in my, in my life. Um, I skateboarded for a while. I competitively powerlifted, but my longest kind of like movement practice has been martial arts. I've been practicing martial arts since, uh, 1992. Um, I hold a couple of instructor certifications. My current weirdo obsession in martial arts now is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, and I've been practicing that for seven years. Uh, I train up, I train here in Minneapolis. I'm, oh, I live here in Minneapolis now. I train under uh, my coach, Greg Nelson. Greg Nelson's had three uh, UFC uh, world champions. Dave Manet, Sean Shirk, Brock Lesnar. Um, so I've been around elite level athletes all my life. 
1997, I went to massage therapy school. 2000, I got into the industry. Um, I kind of worked my way through. Uh, 2008, well, 2007, I worked with. I started working with a 14-year-old uh, elite-level uh, soccer player. And then I traveled with his team for three seasons from 2008 to 2010. They were um, actually at the end of this year or at the beginning of this year when they looked at like the, the top 10 teams and like the teens, you know, the 2010 to 2019, uh, they were tied for second in, in that whole time. But they, I actually traveled with them from 2008 to 2010 and they won nationals in 2011. Uh, of the 11 starters, 10 of them went on to play division one. I worked with the boys before, during, and after games. I knew nothing about soccer, so I got like literally like a bath. It was like just thrown in. Um, so then uh, we moved here, um, and along the way, I've taken very unconventional routes in my continuing education courses as a as kind of a rehab professional. And uh, uh, two years ago, the two will be three years ago in September, I took this course called Anatomy in Motion. And anatomy in motion studies human movement via gait or walking. And the guy who's created the course, Gary Ward, uh, is a brilliant thinker. He understands the body in a way that is pretty crazy. But Gary has broken down gait into seven phases and three planes of motion. And it actually tracks the skeleton, which is a really interesting conversation. Because when you look at the skeleton, the skeleton has very definable rules. Meaning that if, if my finger does this too far, you know it's going to break right? I can move my hand around a million different ways. What muscles work? I don't know. But you know that my finger shouldn't go much farther than this. And so that's the cool thing about the skeleton. So when I looked at Gary's model, the flow motion model, and I started to look at pitching, the interesting thing that I was interested, the thing, interesting thing that I looked at in pitching was I saw stuff with a foot right away, because Gary starts with a foot as ground force reaction. And so it's, it's actually like a, like one of the biggest parts of his model as well as understanding what the foot actually does and the foot is a ridiculously complicated piece of our body you know it's it's 26 bones and 33 joints and it, it's triplanar and so um it took me probably the better part of a year and a half to really feel good with the course uh the course is actually 48 hours so it's it's uh it's six eight hour days and i took it twice within the uh, time period of six months so I have 96 hours of class time there, plus all of my own independent study. Then uh, in the summer of 18, uh, uh, a, a friend of mine referred me a baseball player that Cass knows. Uh, his name is Gabe Pilla, and Gabe pitches for NDSU. And um, I, I love working with athletes, traveling with the boys when I travel with the boys for the three seasons. Um, I just knew I love working with elite level youth athletes. It's my passion. It's who I love to work with. I love teaching them to become educated about their body and be able to communicate with me and be able to advocate for themselves and later on in life. And so um, when Gabe came in, I said to in passing, because he was working with a friend of mine, I was like, yeah, I think I might have like the, the foot kind of figured out for pitching mechanics. And I was totally blowing stuff out my ass. Like it was not even true at all. But I wanted to see if I could kind of hook him because I knew I needed an experiment. And so he said, well, what, what do you, he goes, oh yeah, well, look at my foot and what do you think? And I was like, well, this, this, and this happens. I bet you can't do this with your leg. And he went, how did you know that? Well, I mean, once you understand what the foot looks like, it's, you know, it, it looks, it sounds like I'm, you know, Nostradamus, but like, once you understand what the foot looks like, it's not hard to see. And I, and I was like, well, hey man, I got to run. 
I got to go to lunch. I was actually going to lunch, but I was doing the old sales takeaway. Right. And so like within like, I don't know, a day, he reached out to me and we scheduled a session. And the first session I taught him how to actually uh, get his foot to be more mobile. And then we started to look at drive, drive leg stuff. And then before that, I was like, well, shit, I got to know something about this now. I've, I've gotten this opportunity. I need to figure this out. So uh, I went on YouTube and I found uh, Brent stuff from Top Velocity. And it was matching up with what I knew from the flow motion model. It was matching up how what he was talking about was matching what I was what I understood about, you know, biomechanics and how the body works. And so I watched a ton of video and it just made sense to me. And he came in and I didn't know that he was actually kind of following the same stuff. I didn't know that. And so then um, we started working with it. Uh, we got rid of his knee. In- he was he was dealing with a little bit of knee injury. He, we got rid of his knee injury almost instantaneously. And then he went from a sitting 84 to 86 to 86 to 88 really quickly. Um, and then he went back to school and had a pretty good season, uh, you know, much better than, than what he was doing his, his freshman year. Um, and then last winter, he, or last summer, he came back home. Uh, and we worked together for a bit, and then he went down to Top V. I had an opportunity to go down to Top V and, and hang out for three days. Um, and then when I sat down with Brent, and we started talking, he showed me his five phases. The five phases looked like the seven phases that I'd already learned. And so I was like, oh, now I get this. Because I was looking for that. I was talking with Gabe about, like, I need to I need to create shapes because the phase, the interesting thing about the phase is, is when the skeleton transitioned from one position to the next. And right. it, then if the skeleton doesn't, if the skeleton moves at an improper time, then what happens is the soft tissue will try and slow it down or hold it back. And so I was like, shit, cool. Well, I was already preloading something in the drive leg on leg kick. So I'm like, well, I already have a, a phase that I would put before this. And then what I did is I came home and I mapped out, uh, just like Gary Ward has done with anatomy and motion, I mapped out pitching in six phases and three planes of motion from the big toe to the head. And so, um, so yeah, there's the Reader's Digest condensed version. <laughs> Are you running away now? Are we done? Should we? Should we... <laughs> yeah, we're good. We're done. Let's cut. We're done. Yeah. So, Dude. I wouldn't. Well, I mean, how much do you want to share? Like, do you want to talk about the phases? Is that something that? Yeah, yeah. We can talk about it. Yeah, we can. Talk, I mean, we can. I yeah, mean, I'm like, real interested in that because you just talking about the foot, and I just caught myself while you were talking to that rolling my foot in the air, going like, okay, that some of these things feel good. I'm a, I'm a big feel guy. We're very yin and yeah. yang together. So yeah, yeah. please and so enlighten enlighten us. Yeah, let me do something really quick. Let me go, go ahead. into the other room and get my. Go get ahead. My, take your time. Cool. Take yep, your yep. time. Hold on. So, um, this is, this is going to be a good pairing. So was it, it was, so we had go catalyst on Friday and then on Thursday we had David Weck and we asked David a lot about the hands. Um, we also, I don't know how much we got into it, but David has a green dot idea that the, the fourth toe is where everything is. So that's all I know about the foot is that kind of stuff that I've heard from him. And, and I think this is going to be a, a very good perspective, a good contrast uh, to that idea. So, so, okay, the foot. Now, let me be fair, okay, before we start anything. And um, before I make defining statements, I also want to say that uh, I understand one of the reasons why baseball doesn't understand the foot, other than it's ridiculously complicated. Um, but one of the biggest reasons I think it is is because of the cleat, because you can't actually see the foot. If you could see the foot and you understood what it did, then I think that baseball would have a much better grasp on the foot. 
Because look at what happens when you look at the knee, you look at the hip, you look at the shoulders, you look at the pelvis, look at the head. Everybody has all of these amazing ideas about those things, but they don't look at, they don't understand the foot. So that's the place I want to start from with this. The other reason that the foot is really tricky in a cleat is that the cleat is really stiff and rigid, right? I think the most, probably the most flexible cleat that you could probably get is a new balance. And so, but those just came into vogue recently, right? I mean, so here's lefty, okay? Now, what we need to think about with the foot is that it, it moves, like I said, in three planes of motion. But the, the way that the, the arches act will act as a support network for us. And the basic thing that we want to think about with the foot, the easiest thing is that we want three points of contact underneath the heel, the pinky toe, and then the big toe knuckle. So underneath the heel, outside part of the heel, underneath the pinky toe, underneath the big toe. That gives us a tripod. If we can start to operate with the idea of the tripod, then we can start to form conversations around what happens when the knee goes too early or when it stays back. What happens when the upper half goes too early and it stays back. So from leg lift to drift phase until you get to internal rotation and then hip to shoulder separation, the foot should operate in a tripod with big toe, pinky toe, uh, heel on the ground. As we start to get into internal rotation of the, of the drive leg knee, what will happen is the foot will flatten out a little bit. As the pelvis pulls us along, because this is holding us back, then what will happen is we'll get into internal rotation and get into triple extension or push off, whatever you want to call it. So that's kind of the basis for the foot and why it's important. Now, the interesting thing that, that, that people will struggle with the foot is that they, there's terms that the, that the healthcare industry uses that I think are pretty shitty um, that, because they don't give clear definitions of the foot. So everybody knows this sprain as, as an inversion sprain, right? Like we know that we don't want to have this type of sprain. And, and of the two sprains, this sprain is far worse, the eversion sprain or the one to the inside. Like you want to break your, your tibia or your shin bone really quickly, do that one, okay? So we don't want that to happen. And also, like, how do I know some of this stuff? Because I've taken the body apart with jiu-jitsu for seven years also, right? So jiu-jitsu is just the, the art of breaking the human body. So I've, I've looked at both tolerances. So now, when we start to look at what do we, what do we classify as a pronated or a supinated foot? So in the way I teach guys this right away is pitchers know what pronation, they know what supination is, is in, the, in the upper arm. The arm follows the same thing as the foot. Pronation is when you go towards the thumb. Supination is when you go towards your pinky, right? Pronation is when you go towards the big toe. Supination is when you go towards the pinky toe. Cool? Now, my definition that I learned from Gary, and I think is appropriate because I want to give us very definite terms, is that when the foot gets too much contact, gets too much uh, pressure here, and the pinky toe flies up, that's no longer a pronated foot. That's an everted foot. Because now we don't have a tripod. The minute we lose tripod, it goes from pronation to eversion. The minute we we lose the big toe, it goes from big toe, oh, I'm sorry, it goes from uh, supination to inversion. If the foot doesn't allow that to happen, then what, what, 
if the foot isn't able to do that, then the rest of the mechanics from the ground up are going to change because everything else is going to travel quicker because the thing that we want to think about with the foot is it's like an anchor holding us back. Just like when you're walking, when you take a step onto the foot and then you get up onto the onto your, uh, your, your big toe and your pinky toe to push off, that leg keeps you from like just falling flat on your face because that's what the rules of the feet are anyways. If you, if you just had nubs on your feet and you went to take a step, you just fall on your face. So it's an anchor holding us back and the front leg is just something to catch us so we don't fall on our face. That's the foot. Okay, wow, that's, I love the tripod idea. That's, that's, uh, I've never heard the, the depths of that right there because the balance makes sense to that. With the, the ground force reaction, I'm gonna try to get into yeah. this for, yeah. uh, for a question. Could you describe um, what the feeling is? Because I'm such a feeling guy for the back foot and the front foot, by the way, because I feel like those are two different ideas, correct? For sure, for sure. So the back foot, should feel, you should feel like it's kind of cemented there through mm -hmm. drift phase. Mm -hmm. And then as the pelvis drags you down the mound farther, as the pelvis drags us down the mound farther, what's going to happen is it's going to pull us into internal rotation. So, so, you know, we're kind of looking for that, that vertical shin as we come down the mountain, if we're going to stay into the drive leg, right? I mean, if that's our goal is to stay into the drive leg. So, so we're going to look for that vertical shin as we come down the mountain. And then as we start, as we start to get the hip to shoulder separation, the, uh, the, the thigh bone or the femur will internally rotate. Now, what happens on the front leg is uh, the front leg is really just a, a point that we push off of, right? So we go outside heel strike, and then we, we start to get onto that tripod. The foot will pronate. Oops, sorry about that. The foot will pronate just a tad. And then we push off, the leg extends, and then we kind of get the rest of that carry through happen, right? So that's mm -hmm. kind of the, that's what I call strike and then release, right? So, um, so what you want is you want that feel that the, the drive leg foot should feel very stable. And what you, what you see happen, coaches understand this on some level and they try to do it, right? So you'll see guys kind of like prop, a, prop the heel up on the mound. But the problem with propping the heel up on the mound is, is, it, is it, put, it creates an everted foot. And as soon as that happens, you're going to get to internal rotation much quicker. So the ground so, force reaction. And you're speaking right. of hooking the rubber, right? That's what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, 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 hooking yeah, the rubber. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Just making yeah. sure. Yep. That's the terminology that makes sense to me. Because I see yep. guys like Kershaw or uh, there's a bunch of guys that use it. So even yep. and I've used it in certain certain situations. Um, and so uh, with with hooking the rubber right there, that's actually what my question was gonna be. Let's say a guy enjoys hooking the rubber and it makes them feel for what they're doing, you know, the angle of that foot changes the whole ground force reaction right um i've also heard it as a anchor to push away from on when you hook it right they feel like it's a stronger basis of um i you know i guess power for for an athlete yeah, yeah. you know like a like a block or you know something to really sure. get away from you know what i mean so sure. is that how would that affect the foot there well, so we have to go back to why they can't do that. So why why are they using that as a crutch? Yeah, it's probably can't drive, right? 
and, and also probably can't stay in the foot. Yeah. So the problem with the cleat again is it puts us in this, like this, you know, cast essentially, you know, like, yeah, it makes sense. Your feet aren't going to move. Like you want to see some gnarly feet, dude, look at a soccer player's foot. Holy shit. Looks like it got run over by a damn tank. Why? Because it's stuck in there and they're kicking with it all the time. Right. And they're kicking each other. And I mean, like, it's crazy. Like soccer players have really gnarly feet that don't move well. And so pitchers, particularly with that drive leg, what I usually see is I see. a uh, Okay. So if you want to get really nerdy about this, it's a good thing you called me. Um, if you want to get really nerdy about this, this bone here is called the talus. And he looks down the second toe. Okay. The talus is the gyroscope of the lower body. He drives the bus of the whole entire lower half. Interestingly enough, there's not a muscle that attaches on it. It sits above above your uh, heel and below your shin. You can't move your shin and not move your talus. When your talus moves, your heel moves. If it moves, if it's functioning properly. So if I hook you on the rubber and then your talus is internally rotating, your foot now is prorating, yeah. right? Yeah. What's going to happen? You're going to go, you're going to spin early. You're going to go into hip to shoulder separation early. Mm. So, so now when you start to look at that, most likely what probably happened is the guy lost mobility in his foot because he's in the cleat all the time, or he had an injury that didn't allow the foot to move well. And now what do we do as athletes, right? We just figure out ways to do stuff our body doesn't allow us to do. Totally. We got to keep playing the game. Yeah. Regardless whether or not, whether or not it's good for us. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I just tore a meniscus in jiu-jitsu six months ago. Why? Cause I'm a dumbass and I wanted to do jiu-jitsu. <laughs> right. Like I'm a 44 year old, like pretending athlete, but I have a practice. I, I train jiu-jitsu six to nine hours a week usually. So like I get it. I get why they're doing it. And I don't have any performance things attached to it other than my poor old fragile ego, right? Like, I don't have, like, a scholarship uh, or money or any of those things attached to why I do it. If I do it as some old dude that just wants to stay healthy and maybe every once in a while I'll catch one of the young bucks, there's no reason that guys that have a college scholarship, a place on a team, and maybe, you know, a couple cents on the line aren't going to do dumb shit to their body. Of course they are. Of course. It's the nature of being an athlete. Broke my elbow. You're right. you just you just described me. For sure. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, I've been I've been doing this stuff for 20 years. Yeah. I know better. I tore a meniscus. Why? Because I'm a dummy. Right? Yeah, totally. I'm I got swindled. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh that's a that's a great that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, it's not a mystery. Like, and so people in my industry, you know, in kind of like the rehab community, unless they're really weird, like I am, they don't understand athletes. I understand the motivations of, of athletes because I'm an athlete, right? Like, cause I love to do jujitsu. Like I love it, you know, like gnarly old ass fingers and all now, right? Like I love it. It's super fun, but like most people don't understand it. You know, yeah, I'm, and so, I'm the same way with pitching. Like yeah. I still throw, I still yeah. throw. It's so much fun to rip. Yeah. I try yeah. to explain it to some parents. I'm like, 
you don't know what it's like to stand on top of the mound and throw a baseball as hard as possible and not miss and do it a lot. And, and so dominate a dude and yeah, dominate a sure. dude. You want right? to talk about domination? Come on, man. This is, yeah, this I, is what we're doing. This is, sure. I, yeah. I went to the, I went to the NBC world series this summer and, and uh, just tried to show some of my clients. I went with them and tried to show them there's actual techniques that you can do to ruffle the other team's feathers sure. without yeah. really doing a lot, but like staring or pausing or, yep. you know, being a slightly annoying. And then, you know, it's uh, cast talks about it, about music theory and how it's predictable. And then when like a note that comes in, that is different, that makes so much sense to me. Cause that's like, to me, it's like how we talk about sequencing, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. You know, fastball, 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 fastball change, you know, just come, they freak out. But, but it's the same thing when you're trying to punch somebody in the face, by the way. True. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a Joe Rogan fan. So you say jujitsu to me. I, you know, his famous line is, you know, uh, Gracie, you know, you do this, I do that forever. And I think about pitching the same way. It's It's like the whole give and take what you're trying to do. You know, we talk about it when we go into analyzing it, where, if I know what your plan is, then I'm going to use it against you. For sure. Like, so um, I spent 20 years doing stand-up martial arts and I, I did a ton of like sparring, uh, like striking sparring in my, in my twenties. And I would spar against guys that were pretty high level, uh, like, like black belt, other martial artists. Cause remember I'm old. Uh, MMA wasn't a, like, it was just, it was called NHB at the time. No holds barred, you know, like, it was, it was the precursor to what you see now, like in UFC and Bellator and 1FC. And so I would go spar with, you know, all these different black belts. And one of the things that I learned um, from my instructor that I trained with uh, was how to break rhythm. And so uh, when I danced with my wife, my wife is a classically trained pianist. I go on the ones and twos, but I naturally break between the one and two. That's pitching, dude. You get a guy that's going to look at you 95, 95, 95, 95, 82. You just broke his rhythm. You know, I mean, like that's pitching. And that dominance then, getting him on the hook and getting him on the marionette strings, that's pitching. You know, when, when I, when I, you're talking, when I, you're speaking my language. <laughs> yeah. Dude, when I fake a cross or I fake a jab and you bite on it, that's pitching. That's a choice. I've always wondered about, um, you know, martial arts and uh, one of the words that I, I think is uh, with sequencing uh, that you, could be renamed in the baseball world would be like combinations. Because that's how I think like martial arts look at it, you know, like a one, two, three, four, yep. you know, how they go through everything. And when I'm pitching, that's how I'm thinking about it. I'm yep. thinking about jabs are like fastballs. Yep. Sliders are like hooks, uppercuts are kind of like a different pitch too, you know, over the tops, you know, and and attacking the zone with those different shapes of attack. You know, I I think we get caught up in the names too much and who cares, you know? Well, because, because the interesting thing about pitching, and this is the thing I love about baseball is that, um, you know, and like when I say I'm a baseball fan, I can't tell you how many times I've watched the Ken Burns documentary. Like, like I love baseball. I love the history of baseball. Like I, I love baseball, but the interesting thing that I think about baseball is that the pitcher there, there, other than a guy shooting free throws or a guy shooting uh, penalty shots, uh, there's no other time that you get so much pressure as a guy who's on the mound. 
And then, you know, a guy who's shooting penalty shots and maybe we can maybe argue golf too. You know what I mean? Like when they're, when they're putting, but, um, but a guy that, that's, that's kicking, you know, penalty or shooting penalty shots and and hockey and soccer. That's the only time that you get a remotely close feeling of like, I'm in control of this. And now you have to react to me because pitchers, if they're really good, they're very proactive. And a batter is very reactive. When you get someone on the end of your jab, they're reactive. You're proactive. Once I get you into my time sequence, if I, that's the first thing I used to do. I used to get into their time sequence. I'd stay there for a bit and I'd break the time sequence and make them come to my time sequence. And once I did that, I was punching you in the face as often as much as I could. It makes sense too. Cause I'm on like it in, in each game I'm on the mound wanting to go. I want to go as fast as I possibly can. And I yeah. know that there's science out there for like, uh, delaying it. Right. And yeah. so it's, I think it's just a strategy. There's no right yeah. or wrong way to do no. it. You know, like yeah. some people go full David Wells and take 45 seconds between pitches you right. Know? Right, right, right. and other people are, you know, a little bit more Felix Hernandez where he's trying to just absolutely just yeah. pound you in the face with 95, yeah. you know? Well, and, and it's, it's interesting though, because so I'm, I'm a big Yankees fan. Like I've been a Yankees fan all my life. So, um, and, and I, like, I was really hard on CC like, in the middle of, like, the 2000s, right? And, and the thing I loved about CC the last three years, and the thing that I really respected about CC was um, he started to learn the art of pitching because he had to. Yeah. And so what did you start to see from CC then? You cutter changeup, like, cutter changeup, yeah. Yeah, and also longer, longer time that, you know, like, he would sit there for a second with that hat all crooked looking at you, right? Like, he wouldn't go right away. Early CC was just throwing gas at you as much as he could, right? Just yeah. down your throat. You yeah. Know? And so, you know, like, like Goodness. that's, I, I, and if you listen to R2C2, their, their podcast, he and Ryan, I do. Podcast, yep. you like, you hear him, yeah, you hear him talking about it, right? Like, like, dude, the, some of the best pitching lessons I think that are out there is listening to CC talk to other pitchers because they get into shit, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, I him mean, and AJ Burnett and was amazing. Phil Hughes. The Phil yeah. Hughes one though, was great too. Yeah, I never. You, you know, it was funny too because, like, uh, I remember that season where they moved Phil Hughes to the pen, me and too. being like, "Dude, like that." Oof, I don't know about that, but then he came out and like, just I'm like, "Dude, this guy's a different animal." Like, he's yeah. just blowing cheese, striking dudes out, and then he doesn't yeah. pitch in the World Series, and he's pissed, sure. pissed. Yeah. But, like, but when oh, he was man. Coming, like when he was yeah. coming out of Scranton, though, what was he was. They were labeling him as, as the next Roger Clemens. Yeah, right? yeah, they were. What, you and know? you see him move too. He could not be Roger Clemens. Sorry. No. But... Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No offense, Roger, dude. Yeah, yeah. no, Rod, he wasn't Roger Clemens when Roger Clemens was 12. You right. Know, like, you know, right. no movement patterns. Yeah, right. Like Jabba Chamberlain, too. Like yep. those two dudes were just well, dude, Jabba, different. Yeah, the midges, though, like the midges is what did it into Java, though. You know, like that. that oh, and sure. so I'm from Michigan. Uh, by the way, uh, if you don't like people that, that don't understand the dynamic between Michigan and Ohio, uh, Ohio is like the wasteland of the country. So <laughs> it pissed me off even more that, that you know, Cleveland and the mistake by the lake there, you know, like, like <laughs> sank the midges on Java and he unbacked oh, it. That's hilarious. Car, you know? Oh, man. So, yeah. Well, you know, hey, don't get yipped up, you know? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, right, 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 you know? 
So, well, I mean, it, it's amazing. Um, we got lost there for a minute. I'm well, excited. But I'm, they, so game theory, you know, strategy and all that stuff is unbelievably intriguing to me. I know he wants to get back to the movement side of things. No, I, I want to get back there too. But that's, that's, That was fantastic. I was just thinking of CeCe just breaking his arm for the city of New York. Oh, yeah. And just like, yeah. He's a great dude too. Oh Did you? God, he, yeah. His, uh, I really liked his idea where he talks about a rated R version of announcing where it's like you for have sure. to subscribe to it. I'm like, oh. How many times I, I've been in the dugout and just roasting guys like, <laughs> like just and because you, you you it wouldn't need to get out it does it, no. and it would it'd be like going to the comedy store but for like right. baseball players where right, you'd right, sit right, there right. and be like that's exactly what I want to hear dude I, I want to hear about how you stared down uh, Ken Griffey Jr. And threw three sliders in a row, smiled at him, and then you tried to throw it the fourth time, the next at bat, and then he hit a bomb off you, and and then you, and then and then he smiled at you, and it's like those stories are just so it's everything, you know? For sure. Well, it's the psychology Uh, of it all, right? I mean, for sure. It's so so. Growing up as a kid, uh, my favorite, my favorite fighter of all time is Muhammad Ali, and and if you look at Ali. Then you look at the psychology of things because Ali did something that all great players do, right? Ali changed as he as, as his body made him change. Yeah. Like so, so right now the the Last Dance, the documentary, uh, you know about the '97 Bulls is out right now, and and so I'm from Michigan. I I grew up in the Bad Boy Pistons era. I hated Michael Jordan. My dream <laughs> at like 14 years old was that that John Sally or Dennis Rodman would undercut Dennis Michael Jordan. He'd fall on his chin and bite his tongue off. That's what I hope. Uh, <laughs> you and you and Michael Rapaport. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. So bite I, his tongue I, off. I, that I is the it, sickest thing I've ever I heard. heard. I, 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 hope I had no him. idea what was going there. Was yeah, awesome. I hoped it for him. So, oh, man. And also then, so I became a Knicks fan after the Pistons became bad because I just <laughs> wanted to see somebody beat Jordan. And I yeah. love the fact that they beat the shit out of Jordan because that's what the bad boys did, right? Yeah. And so, but then he retired. And then, you know, you had the two years of the, of the Rockets and Hakeem, and that was amazing. My Knicks lost. I was really pissed, right? But then Jordan comes back, and I was like, oh, dude. This guy is different. Like he he can still go to the rack, but look at the mental games that he's playing with guys now. Like he didn't possess that before. He mm-hmm. did it a little bit, but when he came back from baseball, he was he like that was straight savage assassin. Like mm-hmm. he was coming for your your emotional well being at that point in yeah. time. And so so and like but you look at pitchers like that, you know that are really I mean, uh, the, I think the classic guy is Bob Gibson, right? I mean, Bob yeah. Gibson, like, you know, you listen to, and, and I saw an interview with Gibson and McCarver and they were talking about like, Gibson's like, do you think that if I knew that everybody was afraid of that mean face that I wouldn't have done it all the time? Yeah, He's like, I had exactly. no idea. That was just my exactly. mean face. Yeah. You know? yeah. I'm just you locked know? in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry yeah. that I look like I'm an absolute mean head on the mound. Yeah. You know? Dude, yeah. It's crazy though. Like how much that that's the next level, right? Is that I know who you are without knowing you at all. Well, and that's, I'm sorry, go ahead. For sure. Go ahead. No, and, and that's and that's where we can like that's where we can connect the dots because that's where you know I talk with almost every person I have a conversation with in our world is I don't know how to not talk about life. Because as soon as I start talking about the arm or how you're moving, I'm like, oh, and then what'd you have for breakfast today? And oh, like how do you live your life? Oh my gosh, like your dad. It's just like what? Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and it's immediately right there. So I, I don't actually, anyway, I, I don't know where I'm going with it, but sure. it's just, um, yeah. I yeah. Mean, it, and I, and I would imagine that it's a similar thing when you get on the mound as a pitcher and when you're in the box and you're against really high level guys and jujitsu, if I, we almost know automatically what's going to happen almost when I grab a hold of the collar, right? Like when I grab a hold of your collar and you grab a hold of my collar, we pretty much have an idea because we accept roles. We accept who's going to be dominant and who's going to be submissive. It just happens. It doesn't matter. And and so, like, when you're in the box and you've got a guy locked in like Trout or like Griffey or Bonds when Bonds was, like, crazy, yeah. right? Like, you like dudes were just throwing shit up there hoping to get by, you know? And then, and then you look at somebody like Randy Johnson or, you know, uh, Pedro. I mean, like, I hate, I hate Pedro because he's a Red Sox, you know? But, like, Pedro... I mean that dude or El Duque when El Duque was with the Yankees. Ooh, yeah, now you're like, no. you know, dude, like, Gene, Gene Larkin, I'll, I, one of my favorite Gene stories. Um, I don't know if you know that I worked with him. Yeah, so yeah. he faced Randy Johnson because like Kent Herbeck wanted a day off, and yeah. <laughs> he saw nine pitches. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's right. like three strikeouts. He's like it's the is no chance. Three sliders in a row, no chance. He could have thrown it to me all day long. I had no chance. He's just like, I don't know what else to say, Cass. No chance. Yeah. And then you'd hear him be like, <laughs> and then you'd tell him, like, you'd hear him tell a kid, dude, you got no chance. I'm like, oh, I'm, what does that mean, G? Does that mean over three, Randy Johnson? Or right. Right. <laughs> anyway, you just put, he's putting up donuts on you, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, so pitch selection, and I think all of those things is a really interesting thing because I think you can get into the psychology of it. And the guys that are really good, they just naturally do it. You know, I mean, like, like the guys that are really good, they just naturally do it, you know, and then, I, but I think also like you can start to figure it out too. Right. I mean, if you get oh, it's definitely evol evolutionary for sure. I mean, yeah. look at Scherzer, look at the great, if they're, these guys are constantly adding tools to, to the toolbox. Like it's, I, that, that's where, that's where I live on all that because I, I just feel there's so many different ways to go about this, you know, sure. change spin and the fact that Trevor Bauer exists in in the game is crazy, right? Yeah, like he'll forever be like one of the most unathletic pitchers to ever exist in the game. For sure, like it's crazy. Yeah. and he's and he's gotten up to 97. You know, what yeah. I mean, like, well, it, yeah, and, and and the interesting thing about that is like, so when I when I teach martial arts, I tell people, I don't know that you can knock someone out. And I don't know that you can knock someone out until you do it once. And, you know, that might be your five-year-old neighbor. So I don't know that you can actually knock a tough dude out, right? But we won't know until you do it repeatedly. But what I can teach you is I can teach you mechanically well enough so that when, you, when, you're, when your mechanical skill reaches a level, your level of athleticism, it then, like, like improves your athleticism even more. And I think that's the same thing with pitching. Because pitching is such an interesting thing. Because pitchers start and stop, and they start and stop in the same place every time, right? So we have this very finite movement pattern. It's not like a guy in center. It's not like a guy in short. Like, it's not like anybody else. It's not like a catcher. I mean, yep. poor catchers. I mean, like, they, they try to set up, but, you know, like, it's it, there's only so many ways that you can set up. So you can, I think... Uh, but I think, like, once you get past guys that are, like, you know, once you get past 95, now you're starting to get into kind of some genetic things, right? I mean, like, there's certain things that, that guys just are able to do. But when you get – I think you could build a guy 
that, that doesn't throw gas hard naturally and build him up strength, build up his mechanics, and he can sit low, low to mid-90s. Fine. Because it's it's a repeatable thing that you can do. Unlike, you know, being able to throw at the same velo at, at a, as a shortstop every time with accuracy. You know? I mean, like, like when you look at the guys, the greats at, in, the, in the field, very few people could do what Ozzie Smith did back in the day. Very few people could do what Javi Baez does. Very few people could do what, uh, like, uh, 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 Omar Vizquel could do. You know what I mean? Like, and then they look at Jeter and they're like, oh, he sucks. No, he doesn't suck. He's just not those guys. Right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. yeah do you, I mean, can you believe that people thought Jeter was an average shortstop? I remember they were talking. I was like, what? Well, and the, and the problem for Jeter, too, is that he came up in an era of shortstops that was unprecedented. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, in the 90s. A-Rod yeah. was a shortstop. Yeah. Right? What? And, he, and I hate A-Rod. He's not a Yankee to me. But. Uh, for the record. For the record, yeah, if anybody wondered. Because everybody cared, right? Mm -hmm. But so, like, I hated A-Rod. I, I still, I hate A-Rod to get today. He never yeah. earned his pinstripes to me, mm -hmm. ever, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but, like, I mean, A-Rod was, he was amazing. Oh, my God, was that dude just a stud, right? Yeah. So he came up with, with uh, you know, with A-Rod and bit, the end of Barry Larkin. I mean, he just, Omar Vizquel, uh, uh, Joey Cora. You know, I mean, like all these guys that were really good. Yeah. And then there's Jeter, you know, like average. You know. No Mar Garcia Parra. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, like Nomar was just okay, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know. That's crazy for so, sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it, and, I, and I think that's the fascinating thing about pitching, though, is that you have the ability to create something um, that a lot of people think is impossible. But if you understand it, it's really not. Right. Yeah. I can't teach a guy to have, you know, a, a gun for an arm in the field because ground force reaction oftentimes doesn't matter, you know, like because you're in the air throwing a ball across your body at weird angles. It's not re reproducible. Right now. Yes, I understand. There's some reproduction to it. I get it. I get it. But it's not as finite and reproducible as pitching. It's, it's not as focused. Right. It's not right, like, right. right. You know, Manny Machado from a knee at third. Right. Teach that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. or Robinson Cano throwing across his body, looking like he he's drinking a shake. Right? <laughs> yeah, just literally looks like he's yeah. giving a hook shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's actually why I came up with so so you know there's a saying in jujitsu that jujitsu is superpower for nerds, right? That's how I came up with the pitching nerd thing, because I think you can. Well, Trevor Bauer is a great example of that, right? I mean, I don't know that Trevor Bauer could play hopscotch athletically yeah. right but he's taught himself to be a dominant pitcher right through you know like very unathletic genes well beyond to... where we're supposed to peak too by the way well right. beyond where we're supposed yeah. to peak you know? yeah and it's but, gotten better you know i respect but, the crap out of that dude you know yeah, because he's so analytical right yeah like and he's I, he's evolved his own personality and everything you know yeah, I mean, like, you know, so I think that those, I think, and also, like, again, when you get back to, like, guys that are towards the end of their career, and I really respected the hell out of CeCe for that, man, like, and, and it was funny, because he was like, shit, because if I would have known that throwing a cutter would have got me that much farther, I'd have started throwing earlier, you know, but he, he didn't know until he was injured, and then, like, like, look at, like, look at the idea of filler Joe Necro, 
Like, that's bananas, dude. A guy's like 87 throwing knuckleballs and nobody can touch it when he's on, yeah. you know? I mean, so, yeah, like, it's it's such a fascinating – it's a, such a fascinating position and topic to me. Because you know what? It, it's, it's, uh, it's almost like the genetics, the freak genetic um, people – uh, or I'm sorry, the the camp, right? Like that, the, oh, it's a freak genetic thing. It's almost like they use it as a shield and it's like, wait, you know, it goes too far because, you know, I, I tell this story all the time, but playing down in Mexico, I was able to go visit the academy in Monterey. I saw a 12 year old throw 90 miles an hour and undersized, like, and not just once, like I'm standing in the pen going like, what? You know, he was like, so, I mean, it was like, I think he was, you know, he was for a 12 year old, he was big. Right, he was yeah, big yeah. for twelve year old. He was like five yeah. ten, but still like twelve year old throwing ninety, fifteen year old throwing ninety five, and I'm like, Egh. and so the velocity development thing, and like the way people say that you either have it or you don't, like Bauer's proven it too. Like you used to be able to be, you know, specifically remember that uh, only certain few people can throw ninety miles an hour, you know. And I yeah. haven't stopped throwing in ten years since I've been hurt. He sees me throw all the time. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm 34. I'm in low 90s. Like yeah. I don't, I don't know what to say. Like I yeah. just disagree, <laughs> you yeah, know. And I'm sure you do too with yeah. your BJJ and the other things that you've seen. Yeah, because like, dude, I mean, no, I go, I go to the academy, and we've got like, you know, high level amateur, 20 some year old kids, and you know, like l- l- uh, low level professional guys that absolutely run me. Like they just run me, right? but they have everything available to them that I don't have at the moment. Mm-hmm. If you had took me in the way back machine, or if, if I could have took my 24 year old self and come forward, it probably would have been a different story. I probably could have hung with a lot of those dudes. For sure. Um, but take me with your average 44 year old that sits on the couch and drinks beer. I'm taking his lunch money and telling him, right. <laughs> I mean, it's not even, the, it's not even fair. You know, yeah. I mean, like uh-huh. my butt, a couple of my buddies will mess around with me every once in a while. And it's like, shit that doesn't work on average white belts works on these guys, you know? So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things, you know, you're able to, you're, you're, I think, I think pitching is is a skill that can be taught. Um, I think it's, and that's also, by the way, not to diminish the amount of hard work that goes into, because everybody does that, right? Like, like, do we really, I mean, yes, Chapman throws gas, but do we not think that Chapman doesn't work on his shit? Right. Like, I mean, you can check his Instagram. He's, he's pulling, 80 yeah. foot sliders in front of his Bentley. Yeah. I mean, but like, but like everybody just looks at Chapman and goes, Oh, well, you know, he's, a, he's a role Chapman, like Mike Trout. Yes. Mike Trout would be more athletic than everybody we, we know without trying. But do you think that Mike Trout doesn't work at his stuff? If you yeah, do, sure. I, I've got, I've got hair product to sell you that will grow you hair. Right? Could you imagine if Veraldis Chapman had like CC's tools? Oh my! Oh my God, dude! It would be ridiculous. Hey, Veraldis, you're gonna start. Go ahead, bud. Like, right. just do your yeah. thing. Well, how about the Reds, though? I mean, come on. Like yeah. that part of that's part of that's the part part of he is partly a product of where Major League Baseball was when he came up. So for sure, yeah. I, I want I, I want to kind of steer this in a direction because I'm I'm interested how you think about this. So. I think what brings us all together is the fact that there hasn't been a standard in our world, right? And so specifically in the private sector, right? I, I you know, it's taken me a while to like articulate this in a way that I, I want to, but it's like when I moved here to San Diego, I was like, I have nothing on paper. I am nobody. Like 
who the heck cares about anything that I've done? And, and now I'm realizing like that, that is going to be a challenge, but, um, along the way I've run into people like Brent, I've run into a ton of people that I've, I've learned from, from all different aspects. Sure. So I have been, um, you know, it's like, I have this, this like degree, but no proof in it. And, and so it's really interesting coming from your side of things where it, it's so important to like, how many certifications you have, how much continuing ed have you done, right? That stuff has been available, is lucrative and something that is like in your world, right? Where now is the first time those certifications have existed. And 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 I don't know that I've expressed this very much, but it's, it's hard for me to justify it knowing how fast the industry has moved and how like, hey, a lot of these conversations are things that I thought, I thought we were done talking about in 2015 and 2016. You know, so it's really refreshing hearing somebody like you who has a way different background coming into this and is already like, bro, like what, what's going on here? Like, let's, let's jump ahead five years. So, um, why don't you talk a little bit more about, um, what the pitching nerd is and like, you've talked about, you told me about your facility and kind of like how you think, um, you and people like you are going to start changing the game. So I've been in practice for 20 years and never in my whole 20 year I, this slipped out of my mouth a, a while back, and I and my friend Marcia, who I sublease from, um, she heard it and she kind of laughed when I said it. I've never said the word contribution, and I think I have a contribution to the baseball community because I'm not from the baseball community, and I'm an outsider, and I don't care. Like, you know, like, cool. You want to be friends and you want to have a good time and like, you know, like we can do shit, cool shit together. Cool, but. I don't care because I'm not from the industry. Like I, I don't have any friends in the industry, so I, I don't have anybody to lose, you know? Yeah. So, so, but I think that, um, the, I think that what, what I would like to see happen for myself and the, the vision that I have, uh, here in the twin cities is I want to create a, a pitching facility that is performance and rehab based that is private, private practice. So we're not attached to the medical facility, medical industry at all, because you run down the route of insurance and that dramatically changes the outcomes. I want it to be open-ended and cash-based because you can fire me at any time then, you know, like cash speaks, man. So the value I provide for my clients, if I don't provide the value, I get fired. I've been fired before. It'll happen because I'm not providing outcomes. So I want it to be rehab-based and performance-based where um, the language between the two people, the two like separate sides of the, 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 the spectrum is, is similar so that they can cross pollinate back and forth um, and have a biomechanical model of it that is based on from the ground up, what happens, it's finite, this is what happens. And then, you know, and then we go and then we just, and we use baseball as a tool to help kids explore themselves it's, you know, by, by and large, one of the most pressure-filled uh, uh, positions in all of sports. You can learn so much about yourself on that mound. My son pitches, you know, just kind of locally here for for the B- Bloomington Athletic Association or the BAA, right? But it's been one of the coolest things to watch him go from an un, un – and I don't do a ton with my son as far as, like, mechanics go because I just tell him, if you want to help, if you want help, you got to come to dad. Dad's not, I, I want to be your dad, not your coach. Right. I can be his coach if he wants help. But so, you know, I, but it's amazing watching him go out on the mound and watching him like like have success 
and then get confidence and then watch how that confidence kind of goes also into his life, right? Like those struggles that he has on the mound when it's raining and he can't get a ball over the plate, he's got to figure it out. Like that's shit that you grow from, you know? Dude, John told, I, I've shared this on the podcast, but it's such a great point. Um, John told me he, just going through some personal stuff last year and he reminded me how like stone cold I'm on the mound. And I was like, wow, why am I not applying that to the rest of my life? Yeah. So similarly, um, it is so in Minnesota, I just felt like I wasn't doing as much as I could. Okay. <laughs> and, and that I think that hopefully everybody feels like that as you grow as a coach. Yeah. Um, but, but with us, one of the favorite things that I experience is like exactly what you just said. Our eight to nine to 10 year olds that come in, they don't know anything what they're doing. So they're gaining velocity and like learning their body really quick. And so when they have all of a sudden 10 miles an hour, like eight to 12 months later, they're like the coolest kid on the block and they love it. You know, we have a kid who is such a video game nerd. Um, Parker is awesome. And I know you like being called a nerd. He's like into baking right now. And, And he is just like the most unlikely kid to just be like a jock. And he comes in and loves to just throw. And we let him, you know, one of the funnest things watching um, a kid like Parker is, you know, I know that, th- um, I know his dad will love talking about him. So I hope everybody understands that we, we love Parker and he's fantastic. But a lot of situations, Parker does not get the attention that he needs, meaning don't pay attention to him because Parker needs to figure out like, hey, I'm going to like learn this on my own and you can figure out how to talk to me later. And we let him have the space to that. And, and the relationship that we've gotten with him is, is so fantastic because he just comes in and rips. Rips. And rips. Just rips. And, and he was, I mean, I mean this, it was not natural for him at the beginning. Sure. You know, like a lot of things were start, stop, start again, like a lot of hesitancy. This is very, very common for kids, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, and, I think go. the thing that we have to remember with that too is that, um, one of the things that happens with pitchers is, is that unless you can come in and you can throw gas right away and locate, right? Cause those You're are going to get word things. salad all day, every day. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. going to coach you. Yeah. But, but unless you can do that, there's a yeah. lot of hard work that goes into being a pitcher and there's a yeah. lot of trial and error, error and struggle and failing, you know? And so like for me, as when I used to skateboard, like, Man, there's a guy, if you want to see a guy who embodies what you're just talking about from another sport, look up Johnny Geiger. He's a professional skateboarder out of Switzerland. How this do you spell the last name? G-I-G-I-G-E-R, Johnny Geiger. He goes on and he'll try one trick and put three to 400 repetitions in it. Now, he, the tricks that he tries would break most people because they can't land them, land anything close to it. So how he doesn't break his face off doing it, I have no idea. But he makes, that's all of his videos. He's like, that's all of his videos. He goes, I'm going to learn this impossible trick that nobody's done since 1992. And then he goes, it might take him two or three days. So, but gents, I got to run because I got a call. Perfect. I, I was just about to again. say, I was just about to say that uh, we were running out of time. Yep. Sean, this was amazing. Um, yeah, we'll definitely do this again. Um, um, you were the tripod foot idea was an amazing thing. I appreciate you putting that in my brain because now I have something we to work gotta, on. We got to literally press so, end. Appreciate no, Sean. it, man. Cool, man. Talk, Talk to you guys, guys. soon. Yep. Thank you. Thanks. Yep. Bye. Oh yeah. So, and,